welcome to Inside the Bradfield Centre, where we tell the stories of the companies, partners and staff that make the Bradfield Centre community so special. I'm James Parton, the Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre. Joining us on today's episode is Hakim Yadi, who is the CEO and co-founder of Closed Loop Medicine. So Hakim, thanks so much for taking the time to come onto the show today. Very much appreciated. Why don't we start off with um, you know a little bit about you? Could you um, give the audience a little bit of your background, your education, and how you came to be performing the role that you're performing today? James, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, right, my background. Well, I guess I was one of those odd or fortunate, I don't know which is the right word, uh, kids who always knew what they wanted to to do. Um, I've been fascinated by the natural world from a very young age, whether it was you know, in the garden, looking at bugs, watching David Attenborough. Um, that led me on to uh, read an undergrad biology degree at the University of Bath and um, joined a, a really interesting program there, which allowed me to spend a year working for a pharmaceutical company during my undergraduate degree. Uh, and whilst I'd grown up in uh, just outside of Cambridge um, and been at school in Cambridge, I'd never really got to see the Cambridge ecosystem uh, writ large. And uh, I was fortunate enough to join uh, the company Celtech, which then became UCB, uh, based at the Granter Park Science Park, um, just out, outside Cambridge and near the Babraham, and got the bug for sort of industrial research, pharmaceutical development, and the ability to positively influence human health and disease, and became fascinated by a particular topic during my research at UCB, um, all around women's health and trying to understand some of the intricacies of the immune system, because I had read and learnt that certain autoimmune diseases go into remission during pregnancy. And so I started on a quest to find uh, a PhD that would allow me to um, investigate that and did what you normally do, start looking through the literature and looking all around um, where both in the UK and internationally I could um, find somewhere to do that after I'd finished my undergraduate degree. And you know, they say the world is a very small place. The, the place I actually found was a stone's throw from the Granta Park at the Babraham. Um, where there was uh, a scientist, Francesco Colucci, studying the role of natural killer cells in pregnancy. So was fortunate enough to get a PhD sponsored by the MRC um, at the Babraham and got to know the Cambridge ecosystem um, from there, really. And being up at the Babraham was quite a privilege in that not only did you have some amazing scientists doing great bench research, but also a lot of startups, a lot of growth companies, and got to learn about the opportunities that sort of the commercialization of life sciences um, can, can enable. And so went on a journey of wanting to get involved in more of the commercial side of life sciences, joined PA Consulting in Cambridge, uh, the technology consulting firm. Um, and that took me on a journey of innovation, health, um, and the ability to try and think about how you bring different areas of health life sciences, technology and development together. Uh, from there, 
moved on to the Northern Health Science Alliance, where I worked at sort of the interface of the NHS uh, and industry and policy and saw firsthand some of the big challenges facing the health system. And that's what led me on to co-found Closed Loop Medicine. Right. I mean, that's really fascinating. And I'd like to just go back a little bit and just kind of unpick that transition from being, you know, a researcher to, you know, I guess, for want of a better description, feeling getting that entrepreneurial bug and wanting to kind of move into industry and and ultimately become a CEO of a, of a company. Because, you know, here at the Bradfield, we work a lot with, um, you know, teams coming from the university that are researching and are thinking about how they do that conversion into like an entrepreneurial career. So, I mean, what was the kind of spark for you? Was it was it the, that, that desire for kind of impact and to see something through to market? Or, you know, what was the real kind of driver for you to make that transition? I think yeah, I think impact is an important word um, because you know, bench science is is fascinating but difficult to see any immediate um, translation uh, into human health. And I guess I was probably impatient, um, wanted to do something that would be able to see a, a direct impact. Uh, and so there was definitely a sort of a push and a pull into the commercialization of life sciences and being at the the Babraham was able to sort of get to know, learn about what it takes to commercialize a, a life sciences asset. I took part in the BBSRC Biotech Yes program and um, had an amazing experience of trying to you know, form a fake company um, uh, as part of that process uh, and just tried to immerse myself in as much as possible of what it takes uh, to to start a company and, you know, what I can tell you now from my experience of co-founding Closed Loop Medicine is uh, everything I thought I knew, you could times it by a thousand because <laughs> you really can't learn it from the, the back pages of, uh, of business journals. You've got to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, maybe we'll come back to that point in a second because uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of insights that you could give to to the listeners on that in particular. Um, but why don't we just pause a second and, and talk a little bit about closed loop medicine, you know, in, in particular? So, you know, can you explain what you do and and why you do it and and the kind of problem that you're trying to solve and you know how did you kind of spot the gap in the market for the opportunity? Yeah, that's um, an interesting story for me. Is that before closed loop medicine, uh, I was running something called the Northern Health Science Alliance. It was a organisation that brought together eight NHS teaching hospitals and eight university medical schools all across the north of England. Uh, so Lancaster, Liverpool, Manchester, Leeds, Sheffield, Newcastle, Durham, and York. And you know, in the southeast of United Kingdom, we're very fortunate to have a very vibrant sort of cluster environment, both around Cambridge, London, Oxford, sort of the so-called Golden Triangle. And a number of years ago now, the north of England was looking to say, well, how can we maximize the strength of our clinical academic research? How can we create an environment that begins to form a cluster that will attract in the best researchers, the best industrialists, the best innovations to improve health outcomes? Um, because, as we know, the north of England has some challenging health outcomes compared to the rest of the United Kingdom. And so we set up the Northern Health Science Alliance to be a broker between policymakers, industrialists, innovators, and the amazing clinical academic research going on up in the north of England. And what we saw, and what I certainly saw, was so many siloed interventions, a drug, a diagnostic, a device, an app, all sort of aiming to be able to sort of 
help alleviate pressures in the NHS, improve outcomes for patients, and sort of sat there at the crucible of these hospitals and universities thinking about what actually needs to happen is you need to be able to bring these different modalities together. Actually, does it matter which one helped the patient? What you want to do is get the patient to the best possible outcome that he or she can can reach. Um, and so the idea from my side was all around, well, actually, how do you bring drug digital device data together? How do you bring the different and, and wonderful innovations under a single prescription to enable a physician to prescribe and a patient to receive an integrated care package off a single script? And I was very fortunate to reconnect with um, one of the uh, innovators in Cambridge, uh, Dr. Andy Richards, who I'd worked with and, and got to know during my PhD. And he connected me with um, my co-founders of Closed Loop Medicine, uh, who all brought different sort of expertise around digital, drug development, clinical. And we formed Closed Loop Medicine with the idea of trying to bring these different modalities together finding ways to start from the grassroots and think through what does it take to co-develop these different modalities. And so at Closed Loop Medicine, what we're developing is single prescription combination products that link uh, existing therapeutics with digital health or software as a medical device. Okay, interesting. So you're not actually developing new medicines and going through that kind of uh, medical trials piece. You're actually working with what's out there and making it a more holistic approach. We've got an amazing array of existing therapeutics that were developed at a time when we didn't have this wealth of information and data to be able to feedback from patients and clinician. And many of those drugs have not been optimized. They were and are still prescribed at the wrong dose, the wrong amounts, um, and they need to be optimized to be able to help human health. So you're absolutely right, James. We're working on existing drugs that we know work, but can be optimized by the addition of real-world insight, data collection through uh, software as a medical device, to be able to optimize the dose of that therapy at an individual level, true precision medicine. Really interesting. So you're you're hiring, you know, a lot of data scientists, I guess, then to 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 look at that kind of break down that data and make it apl- applicable. It's a really interesting question you've asked there. Um, so the hiring that we've had to do um, spans sort of so many different elements of medical technologies, life sciences, drug development. So we've built a team of people who understand both the life sciences world and complying with all the standards that you have to there. Um, as well as medical devices and software. Uh, so we have a real melting pot of um, uh, expertise uh, that we brought together because most people will have worked on drugs. Mo- others will have worked on devices. Others will have worked on software. Very few have been able to cross the boundaries. And so um, we're, we're hiring across the spectrum to bring the right people together to create combination devices. So how, how large is the company right now? We closed our, our latest financing at the lo- end of last year and been recruiting steadily over the last few months. And we're, we're now at uh, about a team of 30. Right. Okay. Interesting. And, and you're, based, uh, the, the, are you ba- you're based in Cambridge, um, which I guess is understandable based on the kind of story that you've told. Well, we're sort of an interesting in terms of where we're based. So when we formed the company and we um, 
had to think of somewhere to base it. My co-founder, um, Paul Goldsmith, had done his first company uh, at the Babraham. I'd done my PhD at the Babraham. At the time, um, we had a number of connections linking back to the Babraham. And so it felt a natural place to be able to uh, set the company up. And we got fantastic support from our seed rounds with the Cambridge Angels. Um, but as we've grown, and particularly during COVID, um, we've um, well went virtual for a very long time, like many other people. But we've now got uh, a base down in London, where the majority of the the, the staff are when we do use the office. Um, but Cambridge is our sort of our home. Return to the office with confidence. At the Bradfield Centre, we offer a range of flexible membership packages, which put you in control of your office and homeworking mix. We have a range of high quality meeting and collaboration spaces for hire and for event organisers, our auditorium, lakeside pavilion and atrium spaces are all back to full capacity and dates are filling up fast. If you are looking to run an event, get in touch to discuss requirements including live video recording and live video streaming options. Visit bradfieldcentre.com for more information or call 01223 919 600. So, I mean, you know, you touched on the challenges of being a CEO and, um, you know, you, you, you've, you've mentioned there, you know, dealing with uh, COVID and lockdown. Obviously, the timing of that is exactly when you're expanding the business and hiring a whole bunch of new people. So, you know, to walk us through some of the kind of challenges that you had to wrestle with as, as, you know, as a CEO in terms of, you know, how do you recruit? How do you handle remote working? And, and I guess for those new people to the company, how do you build that sense of, a common culture and a common team? Uh, I think every company, every executive, every CEO uh, probably had very similar challenges during COVID. Uh, and I don't think anyone's going to point back and say, we got that exactly right. Um, because we were all learning as we went, feeling in the dark, not knowing how long it was going to go on for, not knowing if we were doing the right thing. But I think for us, it, it came at a really tricky point in time where we'd literally just taken an office we were just starting to build a semblance of of culture and uh, the relationships within the uh, what we call the sort of historic office environment and then suddenly to you know flip and go into the cloud and go uh, fully remote uh, it was hard to maintain that sense of culture and we did do a, a lot of great activities that allowed us to do that um, over the course of uh, of the pandemic. But I think you're right. One of the biggest challenges has been bringing in new people um, who you know, had never got to meet anybody, um, who'd never got to experience that, you know, the vibe and the culture. They'd only got to experience it through Zoom and Teams. Uh, and now what we've done, now that the restrictions have lifted, is to be able to take some new space, um, to be able to uh, not have an office again, but uh, as, as someone put it to me recently, a point of nucleation, somewhere where we can come together, um, use the space for the creative brainstorming work where you just need to be in person and you need to be able to roll up your sleeves and have those sessions. Um, but also respect the fact that most people have, you know, after two years found out they get some of their best work, you know, proper focus time done um, working from home. And so trying to find the best of both worlds. Still don't think we've got it right. Um, um, we continue to learn. Yeah. So you classify yourself as a kind of remote first company now, would you? We're very much hybrid. Um, I think we we love the idea of still being able to have that in-person time. There are just some things you can't do 
um, through video conference. Uh, so we're, we're adopting a, a model that hopefully supports the the best of both worlds, giving people the flexibility to to work from home and have that extra uh, time uh, to themselves, um, but also to respect the fact that that may actually be where they get their best work done. Um, but also to be able to say that actually there's time when you need to come together, you need to bring the the culture together of an organization. And I think we've all learned it can be done online, but it, you can get so much more value about doing it when people are actually in person. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so what does the rest of this year look like in going into 2023? What, you know, what's kind of the product roadmap look like? So, as I mentioned previously, we closed our last financing um, at the back end of last year. So that's enabled us to bring in a, a, a amazing group of new people into the company to help with that product development. Um, we've done a bit of a pivot and um, become more of a product-led company and recently recruited in a, a chief product officer. And so have gone through a process of really understanding what it means to build product as a life sciences and, and healthcare company. And the product roadmap at the moment is uh, focused on our our two main uh, sort of uh, efforts, one in the area of insomnia uh, and the other in hypertension. And these are two areas where the combination of both traditional pharmaceutical therapy with digital enabled care uh, will support patients get better outcomes through optimizing that specific regimen. And so for us, some of the big opportunities over the next year or so are to demonstrate that drug and digital can be brought together as a single regulated product, that it can be reimbursed in the same way that traditional medicines are, and that we can generate clinical data from the ongoing clinical studies that we have uh, going on, that this will improve outcomes for patients. So it's a combination, as with any early stage company, of making sure we we hit those proof points uh, and generate the clinical evidence to support the the mission and vision that we're on of improving outcomes through combination products. I mean, you've obviously got extensive experience working with the NHS in previous roles. So, I mean, uh, are the NHS receptive to this? And, and how does the UK differ to other territories you might be working in? I think the UK is one of the best places to start a life sciences healthcare, digital health um, company in that we've got an amazing array of talent, um, both from the medical device, digital health and life sciences uh, sectors. We have got the NHS, um, an ability to work, collaborate, uh, learn and understand truly what the pain points are. And I think with any system, whether it be healthcare or otherwise, you need to be in a mode of understanding what the needs are rather than pushing technology uh, on the system. And I think we're also blessed by having a very flexible regulator. Um, We've seen through COVID the MHRA really step up. And what we've seen as an early stage company, um, we've gone to the regulator early to ask questions, to learn, to understand. Um, The same with the Department of Health and Social Care and NHS England on what our routes for pricing and reimbursement are. And that we've got the access points now in the NHS through the academic health science networks and and, uh, others that we didn't have before. So, you know, the UK is a great place to be able to do this. And the the challenge then comes in how we make sure we maintain that position, um, both for ourselves as companies, but also as a UK uh, destination for health and life sciences innovation. 
Yeah. Are you exclusively focused on the UK market or are you working internationally? Are you seeing a difference in other territories? So we're very much focused on this being a company that is going to deliver outcome improvement for patients um, wherever they are. We happen to be based here uh, in the UK. We've already started clinical studies uh, in the US, um, one which we ran uh, in a decentralized way during COVID, which is a quite an achievement during that particular period of time. And we've already started looking at some of the other, like the US, more digitally mature markets uh, in Europe to understand what the right um, mechanisms and routes are for uh, bringing such uh, innovative combination, so the single prescription product, uh, into those markets. I think we're seeing quite a lot of pull um, from territories across Europe and particularly the US. And for an early stage company, it's about deciding where to put your energy. Yeah, yeah, you can get spread thinly very quickly, can't you, if you're not too not too careful. I mean, that's that's been really, really interesting. So so where can people uh, find out more about closed loop medicine if they want to follow up? Well, if people want to find out more about what we're doing um, and the work that we're delivering on trying to improve outcomes through better dosing and uh, this new combination approach, we've got a, a website, www.closedloopmedicine.com. We're active on LinkedIn uh, and Twitter and be happy to hear and talk with any other innovators uh, from the Cambridge ecosystem. Well, that's fantastic. Again, thanks so much for taking the time to come on today. Very much appreciated. No, James, thank you very much for having me. So thanks once again to Hakim for coming on today's show. The show was produced by Cole Homer of Cambridge TV, and you can listen to previous episodes by searching for Inside the Bradfield Centre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Amazon Music, or by visiting bradfieldcentre.com. If you have two spare seconds, please give us a five-star review. It will really help other people discover the show.